Hello and welcome to another episode of the Superhero Finder podcast. I am your superhero finder, Matt Wilson, and I am scouring the cosmos, which is right behind me if you're looking on video, and looking for inspirational stories, people with cool stories to tell, strengths both on the outside and the inside, an experience which is designed to inspire you, inspire me, so we can learn and we can just have an awesome day. So today... I've got the pleasure of being sat with and the chance to have a good chat to Kirsty. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. Good. Glad to hear it. And Kirsty, would you like to just give a little bit of an introduction into who you are and what you do, maybe? Yes. Um well I'm <laughs> I'm Kirsty. Um I work as a, a job coach um with people with uh, learning disabilities and neurodiversities um i'm neurodivergent myself um and have been on a kind of journey over the last sort of 15 years in kind of discovering kind of what makes me uniquely me um and trying to live kind of a a better life um with a better understanding of myself that's incredible isn't it and just please if there's anyone that doesn't understand what neurodiversity is you just run over that for us so neurodiversity um is about that everybody's different and there are variations um in the brain's makeup um and how it functions and conditions um so basically people that are neurodivergent uh, their brain functions and learns processes information uh, differently um, than what we call people who are neurotypical. Um, so there are different um, conditions um, that are associated with being neurodivergent. Um, very, um, so things like Tourette's, uh, dyslexia, dyspraxia, um, ADHD, uh, dyscalculia, um, I'm probably forgetting some more in that umbrella of different conditions. Um, but yes, so it's kind of a very sort of, um, yeah, it's a different way of looking at the world and a different way of looking at, um, disabilities and, um, conditions really. Cause a lot of the time people may say that you've got a disorder. I don't really like that, um, okay. term. Yeah. So I think saying you're neuro uh, diverse is a is a better way because um i don't see myself as having a condition i see myself as having a different way of thinking really yeah i, I mean i think that's quite an important distinction isn't it because we look at because the actual acronym adhd has the word disorder in it, doesn't it it does yes and actually the more we learn about it it's not so the dis is the negative bit isn't it so the disorder it's a different order yeah it's a different it? order it's a yeah different definitely. way of getting to the same result definitely and i'm not saying that um because obviously these conditions have their um barriers and their struggles so obviously getting a diagnosis um for people is really important uh but i think it's the way that you frame it can really help the way that you live your life um, being a coach and um, a special needs teacher myself, I think it's really important to 
um, empower yourself rather than seeing just the negatives of of, of, of these sort of um, things that are thrown at us in life, really. So, yes, because I didn't really know that I had any learning um, difficulties um, up until I was 26. So um, okay. it's sort of been a, a journey of self-discovery, to be honest, for me, um, since I trained as a lifelong learning teacher back, gosh, a long time ago now, 12, 12 13 years ago. So, um, yeah, it wasn't until I trained as a teacher for people with additional needs um, that I discovered that I had dyslexia and dyspraxia at the time, um, which helped me to get some study support and get my teaching qualification. Um, but up until that point, I'd done a degree in um, theatre and digital arts, um, and I'd got through my all the things you do in life to get to that point. So GCSEs, A-levels, um, it's been, it, it'd been a struggle, but I just thought that that was what people did. That's what, you know, just some yeah. people, that's what it was like for. Um, so I didn't really have any support myself. Always labelled as um, anxious, very anxious person, um, troubles of anxiety and worry, but um, nothing else was really looked into because academically I was achieving what, was perceived as being successful really um right, so it wasn't particularly picked up um obviously in reports and stuff it was always um i had issues with spelling and um you know you haven't really checked your work etc etc but it, it nothing was really delved more into that really so um yeah it wasn't until i actually was really struggling with sort of completing the written work for my teaching um that I kind of went ahead and got a diagnosis. So. Did that when you got that diagnosis, did it, were there some things that it kind of made sense? So it put some context to, and I suppose how, you know, did that change the way that you did anything or, or actually the way you approached anything? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It changed everything, especially the way that I learned because specific learning difficulties, you can have a really high IQ. Um, it's nothing to do with intelligence. Um, it's about how you learn and the, you know, the barriers, there are barriers to learning. So dyslexia, for example, um, affects mainly, you know, um, it affects your um, reading and writing, um, fluency, uh, spelling, how you process information, really, um, memory. Um, and so, and then dyspraxia um, is about your movement um, and your coordination. But I think up until that point, I just considered myself, a lot of the things I considered as like personal flaws um in myself rather than there being a problem so I've always been a clumsy child took me ages to ride a bike my poor dad spent years trying to help me to ride a bike um I grew up in a very um fitness uh, focused family um my mum being a aerobics instructor for many of years uh now a yoga instructor um you know going to her classes and um and being the one that was going right when we were meant to be all going left, um, it was just put down to that's Kirsty, um, which is lovely and it is me. I'm not denying it isn't me, but it, there's a struggle in that. There's a sense of 
kind of your self-worth really and being persistent at doing something because if you feel like you're not really achieving at it it's not really giving you the motivation to carry on really in that sense um but yeah um it changed everything really thinking about that um I started to had a study tutor which was great that helped me to check my work helped me to um understand things like visually rather than just um written down or or given sort of orally um so um helped me to find different ways of learning which helped me to remember things better um so i got software to help me to speak things rather than type them which is very commonplace now but at the time it wasn't um things that that, um helped me software that helped me check my work in terms of the spelling and stuff would read it back to me because i can spell quite well but sometimes i think i've put a word and it's a different word to what so it's spelt right but it doesn't make sense (laughs) <laughs> in an essay so there's been some really funny um outcomes to that when you read through some of my work um of course at the time as well everything was done last minute and I didn't at the time know I had ADHD but everything was done at the last minute just before so no I didn't check my work uh so having this software really helped me um to gain a bit more confidence in in that um and yeah helping me with like rem- getting things on time you know which are great study skills that you need the foundations of university anyway um which i had um i survived a degree um and doing the um writing part of a degree but i hadn't really thrived as i could do which i did at the practical side of my theater degree so yeah um yeah because even looking back to when i did my theater degree um the last year I'd, I'd done really really well all my grades are really high and then the last year i had to do my dissertation yeah. and i decided to choose like a really difficult dissertation to do uh, which is just me i'm really motivated um which i'll talk a bit later with the adhd stuff but i'm really motivated by certain subjects so but the trouble was is i had so many ideas um so then when i went to write them down um in such a lengthy document it was really hard for me so in the end i had a really supportive university I ended up giving like a um whole lecture for my dissertation rather than um submitting all of it written so i was really lucky um i think if i hadn't have maybe um had had such a, put so much effort into the other modules i don't know if they would have made those accommodations for me as much but because i you know, because I hadn't seen the hours of work it took me to do an, you know, an assignment. Like literally, life stopped when I did an assignment because it took me so long. Um, but yeah, I was really lucky. I've been really lucky in my life to have quite a lot of supportive people when I hit higher education. Um, sure. The issues probably were before hitting a higher education um, with people that um, you see, not knowing I had ADHD, but just being the person I am it's you know it was the teachers that took an interest in me that um got me through and got me through to higher education and knew i'd succeed in higher education um but yeah there were some teachers that were pretty cruel um and didn't help me really and when they didn't really understand that how long it had taken me to do something um and the effort that i'd put in because i'd only really open up to the teachers who um inspired me really or listened so 
Yeah, so I suppose those teachers that weren't as engaging and that weren't finding out the context in which you'd done the work and all the extra bits were kind of, in in essence, lumping you in with everybody hmm. and then basing your performance based on what everyone is doing. So it, it kind of, hmm. there's no considerations to be made there, is there? No. Or and at I least knowing the process you're going through. No, and I think the teachers that inspired me is the reason why I'm a teacher now, um, you know, wow. and I think the teachers who um, pick me apart are the reason why I'm a teacher now and why I've, I've sort of picked um, the type of uh, SEN uh, teaching that I've always been in. I've never taught mainstream um, and there's a, there's, there's a reason for that. Um, and I, yeah, I'm very... Uh, I'm big on personalized learning, which is who I'm part of now. Um, where I work is about personalized learning. And unfortunately, I, I wish it could be for every child, a uh, personalized learning mm. program that we offer. But um, but yes, um, yeah, I, I mean, for example, there's I ended up getting a star at GCSE for history um, and I had some really inspiring history teachers. And um who taught it in a very different way. They, I mean, I had a really cool teacher that would put on movies about what we were doing. So, so we'd watch the movies and then talk from what we were doing or um, just, it wasn't just like copy from a textbook, read this textbook. It was like, let's discuss it. Let's, you know, cause you know, that's how I learn is verbally and chatting things through. Um, so I did really, really well. And then I hit A level. And I had this teacher and she was new out of teaching college and she stood me up in front of everybody and, and said, and showed my essay and said, um, how did you get an A star at GCSE with this, this work? It's, you know, it's not right. Um, and she, she was quite mean to me in front of a whole class. Um, so you know, there's different approaches to it and like, oh, well, you've just been, you know, it just showed, she was trying to sort of almost say that I was lazy or that I wasn't trying. I suppose she was trying to motivate me, but it didn't, it did the opposite yeah. effect of that really. Um, so I think pa teachers are a powerful tool. Um, they're powerful people really. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a big thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th when we look, they're so, they can be so influential. <laughs> Um, to a point where the wrong approach can have a massive effect on the way that you learn and, and the whole experience through school as well. But what I suppose what baffles me, and this is probably through hindsight and through my learning and, and, and everything else, is if I, I can only imagine, and I can only imagine because I can't put myself in those shoes, but if I was a teacher and I had somebody give me some work which didn't look right for whatever reason, it was it was different to 10 other people or something, then surely there's a level of intrigue as to, okay, so I'm going to find out, you know, what is it, were there any challenges when you were doing that work or try and find out a little bit more about that rather than, well, that's not quite good enough or that's, you know, that's not up to standard that we have set, mm. you know, that's that we, you know, the school system is flawed in many ways, I think, mm. in that respect, or it certainly has been, you know, as we, until we've got to learn more about this, but. 
it just baffles me as to why that wasn't the approach that was taken and and and, you know. and it wasn't all teachers i mean i've had so many really um supportive yeah. teachers especially like i was really lucky because i chose to do theater which was my strong point anyway um and i really enjoyed books even though books took me ages to read i absolutely love books and um mm. i had some really inspirational teachers in that respect um, and, and I'm glad because I don't know what road I would have taken if not, because there were so many early signs of being neurodiverse that weren't picked up on, uh, that were just put towards being a, like an, an, an anxious child, um, worry too much, perfectionist, that kind of stuff. But there was so much more that was underlying that. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, it's difficult, really. I think it is difficult for teachers because they can't, you know, you're in big classes, they can't they can't cater for all but we are very much different nowadays i mean i know the training is so much different now because you're talking a, a long time back now um but yeah oh is that your audio or mine Ooh, there we go it's fine um <laughs> i think yours was getting picked up on my mic uh, I think that was the issue. um i've actually oh so from my journey of getting dyslexia and just Braxia diagnosis then um I then um what it was really good to get a diagnosis because obviously I had all these uh, strategies put out to me which was great and I was able to complete my teaching um but there was still something that was underlying that I couldn't pick up on and it was more than um anxiety um so I kind of didn't I didn't know how to explore it really um but you know there were always signs of the ADHD there um so um it got until 2020 in January 2020 um and I was actually in employment um where I am now that I thought right actually I read some articles um I'd done a OT degree for a year because I thought I'd retrain as an OT I had a bit of a um crisis before I turned 30 um Oh, and uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so retrain was going to retrain as an OT, and I did it for a year. And the person at the time I had support again from dyslexia and dyspraxia uh, support, study support. And the lady said, I don't think this is your primary problem. I think you have ADHD. And I, when she said it, I was like, no, I haven't got ADHD. Like, that's not what I've got. Like, because you obviously, the biggest thing is that when you think of ADHD, you think of like the naughty boy who's, you know, saying inappropriate things, distracting people yeah, in class, that kind of stuff. So I was like, no, I haven't got ADHD. You know, I, I can, I can focus on things. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, so it stuck in my mind, but it wasn't until something happened uh, that kind of made me feel vulnerable again. That I thought, you know what? I think I need to look more closely into this. Um, as well as um, having my daughter Layla, uh, that came with a lot of um, different challenges that really made me think, oh gosh, like, is there something wrong with me? Like, I got diagnosed with uh, postnatal anxiety, uh, but I knew it wasn't that. Like, I was. I was committing to all the things that they say to help you through that period yeah. of time. And I just knew it wasn't that. So, um, that kind of speared me to, to get my ADHD diagnosis. Um, so yeah, 
but I've always so ADHD um, being an you know, you can't just suddenly get ADHD. <laughs> so yeah. it does come through in kind of your history. So it's a neurodiver. I'll say it again. A neurodevelopmental. There you go. A neurodevelopmental condition um, that affects behaviour. Um, and it's obviously because it presents differently for different people, like a lot of the neuro. Um, diverse conditions um but primarily it impacts um your executive functioning skills in your brain so um they're kind of what they call the higher skills of the brain so things like organization planning focus uh, managing emotions um and so when i had layla like organizing planning and focusing and managing emotions were all very much needed for a newborn (laughs) (laughs) so whereas i had strategies to help me which i didn't really know that i had them in place um Mm. when and the life was there to look after um it really sort of highlighted some of those challenges in in a bigger way and they do say that some of the sort of the big times in life that it comes out is either when you are having a baby um, mm-hmm. for women. Um, if your child gets a diagnosis, it kind of then you go, oh, yeah, maybe it's me as well. Um, so they're the kind of, and obviously early on now, thankfully, a lot of people um, in school are getting picked up more. So, but yes. for later life. And also actually I've heard recently in the, during the menopause stage, because people think, oh, why am I like this? And actually, um, menopause um, can be like a hundred percent. Like it's meant is this scares me a little bit. It is completely so much worse because the things that are your deficit. Well, I don't like deficit, but that you're not great at um, are even more heightened. And then you've got the menopause on top. So for some people, wow, okay. that's when they yeah. actually do get the diagnosis because they think, oh, have I'm, you know, is there something majorly wrong with me? Because it's not just, it goes beyond that yeah. in terms of managing. So they're the sort of key times that women tend to get diagnosed. But um, yeah, it's been a real journey of like, finding out stuff since I got diagnosed really and meeting some really interesting people um and kind of yeah um starting to feel like I you know that there's a possibility that I can thrive rather than just survive um the (laughs) day-to-day which sometimes this week I have literally just been surviving. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for making it here. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and I think you've just got to sometimes accept that, that that's because a lot of people say to me, because obviously my big topic now, my hyper focus is, is ADHD. <laughs> now I know so much about it. Um, yeah. And some people say, well, why, why bother with a diagnosis? I had a load of people say that to me at the time. And I was like, well, it's kind of, for me, it was validation. It's validation of, of, and to be honest, it was like rediscovering myself again. And actually it felt a good thing um, knowing mm-hmm. these things. Um, I have grown up with so much shame, so much shame, um, and that hasn't necessarily been because of people it's internal shame um and i think getting my diagnosis has made me feel a lot more stronger um and 
yeah, there's some people along the way that have really helped me so much to sort of change my view of myself. Um, yeah. So that's incredible. So yeah, that's kind of where it's at. But um, I don't know. Do you want to to hear anything more about any ADHD stuff, I mean, or what do you want to? <laughs> I mean, do you know what the the one thing that kind of cries out to me from, and the one thing that stands out from what you've just been saying is that idea of almost. And correct me if I'm wrong, and, and this is just what I'm hearing and the way I've interpreted. But it's the idea of getting a diagnosis after maybe seeing things and thinking something isn't quite right or I'm not, you know, it doesn't come naturally to me to do things in the way that other people tell me that's normal to do things. Um, that actually getting that diagnosis can empower you because you know there's something there that makes you approach things in a different way or makes things seem to be different to yourself but that's the truth so the science behind that and then therefore it is almost it's giving you that platform to be able to say look i need to do things differently oh yeah definitely and i think you know the more that you learn when people say to me well what what you know after okay so i've got if I, i suspect i've got adhd so so what should i do about it i think whether you've got adhd or not i think equipping yourself with information about adhd um or whatever neurodiversity is i've done the same with dyslexia and dyspraxia just getting that information and being able to draw upon that on times where you fit where you are low and put some measures in place is really important because like I said, you know, some of the issues with ADHD um, can be, um, you know, it can be caused by other conditions um, and it can be, um, yeah, it, I've lost my train of thought, you see. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't know, what was I saying? <laughs> this is the issue with me. So, so yeah um oh yeah so it's really hard to get diagnosed with adhd even though people think you know okay because it does feel like because it's becoming more and more prominent in like yes. newspapers magazines people talking about it um, it's actually really hard in some ways to get a diagnosis of adhd without really having adhd <laughs> because you almost have to do almost like you're going to court when you go to the gp <laughs> in terms yeah. of the, what you need for a diagnosis because the symptoms have to have been there before the age of 12 and you have to kind of prove that so you have to go back it's a real sort of cathartic mm. um process because you have to go back i had to go up in my loft get school reports down and show that some of the problems that i was having had gone back from school you have to have somebody that with you i think that they bring in that can say that it's had an impact from a whole life you know um i know i think my mum had to input at some point as well uh which yeah. was really interesting uh so it's, it's from that when i did get the diagnosis um and yeah and the, that was it symptoms um it can't be exp um, explained by a different condition well the trouble is some of the things that that the, the issues can be explained by other other, yeah. other symptoms and also i do have a an additional condition that has some of these as a problem however the condition that i've got um d 
didn't happen when I was 12. So wasn't into childhood. So I had thyroid issues. So some of the um, symptoms can be associated with thyroid and anxiety. So sometimes that's a bit of a murky water. That's why it's such a process to go through to get a diagnosis. Um, And also symptoms, um, they have to be interfering and disrupting your quality of life. Um, that have to be at that point. So, you know, you do have to kind of be prepared to sort of answer these questions and put yourself out mm. there. So it's not something that you can just say, okay, I've got ADHD. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a huge thing. The same with the dyslexia and dyspraxia. There's so many tests and things that you have to do to get that diagnosis. Yeah. I think it upsets yeah. me when someone says, well, what's the point in saying that you've got those issues? Well, there is a point, you know, um, because I, I I need to find the strategies for me, really. It's not an excuse. I think some people think that, um, I don't know, in certain circumstances that it's being used as an excuse and it's not, you know, at all. It's an uneven playing field, <laughs> you know, and that's what yeah. I've had to try and get my head around is that it's not a deficit. It's actually, um, I can't think of the word now, but it's making the, 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 the playing field even, you know, to begin with, you know. Um, so, yeah. It's, yeah, it, yeah, I'm a very visual person myself, so I can think of these analogies that are coming up, and it's almost like, okay, so you're playing football, I'm playing rugby. Yeah. It's the both ball games. But they've just got different, you know, different things within them. So it's about trying to, all right, well, I want to learn the rules of football then. You know, it's, it's. I mean, that's, you know, excuse me if that's a little bit tenuous, but, you know, it's it's on the same, I suppose it's, it's fine. Like you said, it's finding the way to level the playing field. Let's just stick with, let's just stick with your explanation, Kirsty. It was much more eloquent. No, no, no. Yeah, no, it definitely is right. And like, um, so yeah, so. There are two different types of ADHD. If you would, if you'd like to know a few, few more facts. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> I don't explore. know why I'm just fact lady today. Uh, so yeah, so you've got three different types. So you've got hyperactive and impulsive. You've got inattentive, and then you've got combined type. So hyperactive and impulsive is things like uh, fidgeting, excessive talking, um, yeah. being you know um, constantly on the go. Your brain doesn't doesn't stop. Um, you know interrupting people <laughs> and acting without thinking um that kind of stuff and then you're inattentive is your uh, which is <laughs> is very much uh, in my book or even though i am combined type um is forgetfulness um stickability forgetting things losing mm-hmm. things careless mistakes difficult organizing uh short attention span difficulty concentrating um so yeah, I have sort of the combined type. So I have a combined of all of yeah. these. So I love talking, um, which is part of my personality as well as yeah. as, as this. Um, but my hyperactivity is actually, and this is one big reason why, um, you know, women and girls are, aren't diagnosed um, as much is because it's all in my head rather than actual physically doing. Yes. So, yes. and I think girls you kind girls and boys i suppose um you grow up kind of there's some norms that you have to fulfill so you kind of just because you're acting that way doesn't mean that in your head is the same thing going on 
So, yeah. Um, yeah. So my hyperactivity is definitely in my head. I never stop. There's no calm. Um, there's just on and then, then off when I go to sleep, really, uh, constantly, uh, which is very draining. <laughs> but used in the right way, it's great. But used in the wrong way, you know, a bit like being superheroes, really. <laughs> used in the wrong way, it's not good at all. <laughs> Takes me to a dark well, place. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, and, and actually what you're doing is, is I think, again, when you're saying, you know, it's 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 either on or off and, and we all have a certain amount of energy that we can use and essentially what your experiences can be well actually i'm going to use all my energy and then i need to charge myself up then use it again charge myself up but that can be one day mm. so the, you know there'll be the, those periods where it's just it's it's a lot um yeah ned, ha and ned halliwell who's a big player in adhd realm He's from America. He's absolutely awesome. He's written so many books. Anyone who thinks they might have ADHD or have, has ADHD or is supporting someone with ADHD, Ned Halliwell is super. Uh, absolutely amazing. There's loads of people. There's loads of great books out there, but he is one of the big, big players in ADHD talking. And he describes ADHD as having a race car brain with bicycle brakes. So... Like that is what my brain is like. So, yes. um, and sort of managing the sort of that part of me is about strengthening those breaks. Um, it's not about like trying to fix me as such. I decide if I want to fix those breaks and how I want to fix mm -hmm. them. Um, and that's again, going back to the fact that I don't see myself having a disorder, you know? Um, yes. so it's, it's really up to the individual, how they strengthen those breaks. But there's some real positives as well as challenges with having ADHD, as well as all of the neurodiversities that I have as well and other neurodiversities. So um, actually one in five of us, uh, the ADHD Foundation say, um, live with neurodiversity. It definitely, especially with those numbers that you've just said as well, because that's, that's kind of blown me away is that. And I think just going back to something you said about um being used as an excuse so what one thing i've experienced is when i've been around parents with young children and they'll you know they'll do a certain behavior and it'll be oh they've got adhd or they, or they must be they must be adhd that's one of them you mm -hmm. must be and it's and i think if that's undiagnosed because it is difficult to get diagnosed like you're saying so a lot of the time i can only presume it's, it's undiagnosed there's a there's a real danger there of without saying things like that without the drive to find out how to get you know to, to to assist that child and to be able to complete the same tasks as maybe another child or you know in the school system and, and everything like that you're then really starting to put potentially put that child at a disadvantage because it is then just becoming an excuse isn't it so it's about from that you know, even it might not be ADHD, but if you're going to put a label like that on it because you think it's a certain behaviour that might, then even at that level, there needs to be some kind of work towards helping that person understand, like you would do, like you would do with anything, right? And 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 I'm just going to make a comparison when you said about it not being a physical thing, it not being a physical ailment or, or presenting physically. If you saw somebody in a wheelchair and they were trying to get into a door, 
you would help them through the door. You would naturally do that. Mm. But when we see, you know, people with something that's, like you say, a neurodiversity or, or a challenge that isn't physical, then there's almost that feeling of it, that's not natural to then stand in and help. Yeah. To try and help. Yeah, I think it's I think it's educating people. It's educating teachers. Yeah. And there's a lot of work going on now. And I think that things are getting better um, in some. I mean, obviously, um, some regions are better than other at, at, at educating and at, at, at having those sort of resources in to understand that from an early age. I think, obviously, because it is, you know, it's neurodevelopmental, I think it's it's essential they say you know in, in studies that people get an early diagnosis it, it really does help however you think about the it's hard because obviously um you know all these you're developing aren't you the young brain's developing so you can never tell whether is it an actual you know a challenge that needs to be have some um something put in place for or is it just part of the development of that child and that actually you know, yeah, of course. so there's so many things that need to be considered, but I think it still does need to be considered if there are challenges uh, with, you know, and whether it be neurodiversity or whether it be, you know, for me working in the field that I've done for years now, if you've got a behavior, then that's a communication that something needs, uh, there's something as a need that needs to be met. So therefore, you know, parents, teachers, carers, people within you know that child's life need to yeah. kind of address it um and talk talk and help that person you know that child really um yeah. and that's kind of i suppose a better way of looking at it because i think you know when we were at school you're just being naughty aren't you you know yeah. and no you're not just being naughty you know for some some of these you know young people it's not just being naughty it might be either a neurodiversity could be a learned disability could be um, could be something to do with in their environment. And it's really important to kind of have that really holistic approach um, as, a, you know, as, as, you know, look at the child and help that child because, you know, those early years are so important. And I find yeah. it so interesting now having my daughter to sort of recognise that really um, and, and see, you know, just how fast she's learned in that tiny space of time. So just how fast she's learnt some things that maybe aren't so helpful as well. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, it is really important for to us, to, you know, that continual education in ourselves and within our jobs and things, I think, is, is, is the way forward, really. Um, and looking at it in a, in, a, in a positive light as much as you can. Um, you know, I think early on, um, you know, coming in a teacher was very very stressful and mm. you know I could be in a classroom I could I could be you know do some great lessons um but the paperwork was a real struggle I'd be there till you know they'd be throwing me out at like nine o'clock yeah. at night you know um just so that I could have that thrill of what I was doing in the classroom like I could carry on doing that as a job because I was good at it but no one saw me getting turfed out like I've known every you know caretaker that I've been a teacher in school because <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. I'm still there you know um plodding away trying to uh but I think it's hard as well because some of that is put on 
you know my own expectations of myself as well and that's what mm. i'm trying to unravel at the moment which is so hard because it's not just all about the challenges it's how you deal with the challenges as well as you must know as yeah, a coach. Of course. so um that's sort of where i'm at the moment but i think it's yeah i so I've had access to work, which has really helped. So as well as at university having um, study skill support, I've had access to work when I was teaching and I've never really given up. That's one of the things of kind of, I suppose, having a neurodiversity, you get knocked down, but you get up again <laughs> for like yes. a Chumbawamba song. That is me yeah, <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I've had that them things in support and they work for a certain amount of time and then you have to switch it up because you know um i've learned that i have like it sounds it sounds funny but i like to imagine it like having like little ninjas in my brain so every time a system works <laughs> the ninjas come around and say no actually don't do it like that kirsty um for whatever reason and then yeah i have to think of a different system but that's okay because that's just me and that's what i've learned from getting a diagnosis really is go instead of going oh why can't i just you know stay organized and use this system um, it's because yes. my brain doesn't work like that. You know, I have an interest-based nervous system. So if I'm not interested in something or I've on to the next thing, then that's it really. And I suppose it was mm. stopping that fight with myself was one of the biggest things for me <laughs> and not feeling like I had to be like everybody else, you know. Yes. Uh, has there been, when knowing that, and I think that's really interesting because I often see things in, in myself and I've, I've realized that I have certain behaviors and I do certain things and certain mechanisms and it can be linked to not being interested in something or some of the feeling about that task or something changing. So then it moves the priority of it. And there's various things like that, but has there been anything that since kind of knowing this and since getting more context and, and more knowledge about how you work, has that, made you make any decisions that have been particularly difficult yes um coming away from teaching um so i was um a complex needs teacher um mm. i absolutely love with a passion but when i had my daughter um it, i had to make some big decisions i had to step away and think what was i couldn't this is a thing you know all, you know, the ADHD and my other neurodiversities, they don't, it doesn't just affect, because you think of these and you think of just in context of being in school, really, sometimes, you know, yeah. and actually, no, they impact every area of your life. And so I've had to look at, well, how can I, you know, the work-life balance has been a really hard thing for me to um, try and figure out, and I still am trying to figure it out. But they're, you know, stepping away from teaching in that respect, I do it in a different way now uh, with less paper. I still have lots of paperwork, but not as much paperwork as I did. Um, has been my kind of let's play on my strengths, but was a really difficult decision to, it's still a d difficult decision for me to make because um, I absolutely adore teaching. Um, that's that's my, my thing. So um, now I'm a job coach. Um, I'm still teaching, um, teaching on, on a job, on different jobs, actually. I'm a, mm. a, 
assistant coordinator for a social enterprise as well. So um, it's great because it sort of gives me a different, every day is different and I'm doing a different business and I'm job coaching somebody in a different business. So it's great placing my strengths, but equally um, I had to sit and think what was important to me and yeah. raising my daughter was, and being able to give her that time was really important because when she was first born, um, I wouldn't come home till really, really late. I weren't doing those bedtimes. I weren't doing those things and it had a horrible effect on me. So I had to kind of make some big life changes, um, in order yeah. to make that happen. And so, yeah, I suppose that's one of the things really. Um, yeah. Um, but I yeah. I, yeah. I was also wondering as well. So, you know, you've noticed things about you know about your daughter and and when she's growing up and, and the way that she's picking up things and learning things as well when you so when you got the diagnosis when you started to to understand more did that have an effect or a shift on your relationship with your, with your other half as well you know oh, in the, the house and... yeah it put a lot of stress um to the point where i'm not sure it was really difficult um and we had to go through a whole process of really um working together i think there was a point um where especially when she was very newborn you know well in the first few months where we both had to kind of make that decision whether we worked at it or or, or went our separate ways because really? okay. it was really really difficult um my my husband um hasn't officially been diagnosed with um any neurodiversities but he is neurodiverse <laughs> um, and so we both had our different struggles and challenges um and at the time it was like we were fighting against each other rather than mm. working together uh, i think when i got my adhd diagnosis and i pushed for it um that has changed my um, marriage a hundred percent. To begin with, um, it was just a thing that I talked about um, endlessly, which probably didn't help. Um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but now he um, he's looked up stuff himself. You know, there's so much out there now. It's so yeah. different. You know, he looks at TikTok videos. He looks at um, Instagram um stuff stuff i send him um but it has to be in his kind of way you know whereas uh, for me i love a good you know a good essay <laughs> or yeah. a good a good research yeah. article uh but my husband's not like that so <laughs> that's sort of something that where we've kind of i think he's got there but it's taken a while but one of the biggest things um that happened to me that changed me completely um my view of all of this and discovering all of these different things was um i became part of a group called um the ad advantage uh together uh group that's a facebook group online um and the lady pippa she has her own page called the ad advantage and she was my coach for a while and i had some adhd coaching and that helped my marriage a hundred percent because um she she's an amazing woman she does free um workshops on um adhd and girls and women 
um, and how it affects you. She's she does um, emo emotion workshops. She does all sorts of things, and these bits of workshops I was able to sort of communicate to my husband, and he and it changed like my view changed as well almost I don't think it was just him it's my view of him changed um so he became my little because it's important to have a cheerleader in your life and he really was my yeah. cheerleader um and he has really upped his game in terms of cheerleading he really is an, an amazing cheerleader he's so supportive um he encourages me you know because the added the added advantage together group um it meets online once a month and it's free and we all talk to each other about all sorts of things, medication, diagnosis. There's mm -hmm. people on there that's not sure if they've got ADHD or not. Um, you know, the different phases of life like menopause and um, and um, different problems that we have, yeah. you yeah. know, um, because, you know, it, yeah, it affects so many different things. Um and like on days where I think, oh, I don't know if I really want to go and do this. I've just had like a whole day of different things. He goes, come on, Cash, you know, you're going to enjoy it when you're online and when you're there. Because yeah. one of the biggest things I say about is one thing getting, you know, getting your knowledge about, about it. But then secondly, having a connection. Um, and Ned Hallowell calls it like, I think he calls it uh, vitamin C connect, vitamin connect, you know, connecting yeah. with other people. Um, and that has been my biggest thing is realizing that actually there are other people out there who have the same challenges, who are going through the same things. And, yeah. you know, and you can have all the information, but sometimes you don't know which bits of the information are important. Um, you don't know, you know, some of the, um, when you're sort of signposted to things, um, you're not quite sure about the things. It's a bit of an information overload, to be honest, when you're diagnosed yeah. as well. And sort of being in those groups, you've got people that have got lived experiences and you don't feel alone. And I think that's the biggest thing is that I felt not alone and Pippa helped me to do that. And, you know, having a coach, she really helped me to see, um, to kind of reframe how I was thinking about myself and the sort of years of shame yeah. and stuff that I'd gone through she sort of reframed and she was like you know she has the approach where she says you know you're not meant to fit in you know you're meant to stand out and be proud of it you know um and you know it allows you know yeah I've, I've not got there yet but I'm striving to be my authentic self because a lot it's quite the same as sort of autism they talk about masking in autism yeah you know, doing things to help just to, to get through the day and mask the condition. Well, I mean, there's some people say it's masking, some people don't, but having ADHD, you do masking. And I, I was really was, whether it be masking or not, but I was trying to fit in, you know, and yes. not be myself and dull myself down and be a kind of beige version of myself. Um, and it's really hard to kind of stand out and be that person. So she's really helped me to, to strategies and to sort of reframe who I am oh. really. Um, and yeah, and, and not everything I would say I would, um, that I took in straight away. Um, but it sort of, it's an effect where it sort of drips. Even now I don't have coaching with her. It's still like, I still remember things that she says, Oh, why try this, try that. Cause it's, yeah. that's the thing about 
it's trying different things all the time and not kind of giving up when you feel like oh that's not working so let's just you know go you know go and eat worms which is my attitude sometimes but you have to sort of get back up again and it does really feel like you're in a boxing ring a lot of the time really <laughs> just so like i think it's the energy um that it takes sometimes um because my brain's so busy um it, you know sometimes you just have to really push yourself and it's important to have them important you know people around you to kind of remind you sometimes yeah. that you know yes we have our challenges we have you know burnout impulsivity uh, we're not very good at prioritization time management um you know bored it bored easily um you know i can you know with the dyslexia as well you know um report writing that i still have to do even though i'm you know, mm -hmm. in this job, you know, there's no job now that doesn't have paperwork. Um, no, <laughs> but, not. but you know, when you see and you're like, oh, but you know, I spelt that wrong or that doesn't sound quite right. And you know, you get, you get yourself down. There's loads of, you got to remember the strengths. So the fact that, you know, uh, I have loads of ideas. So having that racing brain, I have loads mm. of ideas all the time. Um, you know, I, I think out of the box, I can see things sometimes that other people can't see. And I think, well, I, I used to think, oh, I'm quite strange. No, that's a strange thing to do. Like I should, I'm okay. being outspoken. But now I kind of think, well, no, it's because I think differently. So if I utilize that, um, I can really help people, you know. So that's kind of, yeah. I, I try and sort of stick to the strengths and try and see the strengths. And there's loads of strengths, but more than what I've just named, but um, definitely. Well, it's almost like so there's, there's always a distinction for me between kind of you have your emotional brain, you have your logical brain. And, and from what you, ex from your, what you described there, it's almost like, well, do you know what? You people stick with your e-brain and your logical brain. I'm going to have a third brain on there. <laughs> that's actually that's gonna that's gonna blow your mind it just takes a lot of energy for me to be able to have it mm, mm. you know and that then, in and itself are, is, is yeah. a power isn't it it's powerful yeah and sometimes you you know you have to keep going back to that you know pippa talks about having sort of mantras and you probably mm. come that in your coaching and i have to really have some mantras that i say to myself all the time you know because yeah. um i can get lost you know one of the things i had i do a lot that you know, the anxiety comes from the ADHD. So I still have the anxiety stuff like rumination mm -hmm. is my massive thing. And I can get, you know, because the other thing that I forgot to say was that people think that ADHD is about like having a deficit of focus, so, you know, in the name, but it's, it really isn't because you have the hyper focus as well, where I can be focused on something and go, what, what my husband said to me is like going down the um, I am Alice in Wonderland going down, mm -hmm. going down the rabbit hole. Um, I do that quite a lot, <laughs> but it's good when it's something that's going to help somebody or it's going to, yeah. you know, make me happy. But when that happens and I'm ruminating and, and I will do that. So I know I'll come off of here and I will like be thinking about every single thing that I've said <laughs> <laughs> or like even just having any conversation socially. Um, that's what I'm like, because I know that I'll, at the time, I'll just speak and say stuff and try and be who I am, but then I'll go away. And I suppose it's, I've, you know, I've been listening to quite a few of your um, the co coaches on your podcast, and I think it's not just, it's been really good for me, actually. Um, you know, it's not those things that I'm thinking about don't just come from me. They come from my experiences, really. Um, yeah. 
you know so it's sort of looking at those but yeah it's just looking I think it's just keep chugging along and and you know and for me the whole thing behind it is for the people that I work with and primarily for my own daughter that I I think it's really important that I um that I thrive and that I show that yes things aren't easy which I've I suppose growing up it it I suppose is you weren't meant to do that you're not meant to say anything and I suppose that's where I I find it difficult because I was always the one that would say something as a child <laughs> but you're not you're not yes. meant to you know you're meant to keep all those you know put your lippy on and get on with it and you don't say anything about anything to anybody and that's how you deal yeah. with things um think, but that's not the way forward for me and how I want to be no. no and I think thankfully I think as the generations move on I think within the next maybe arguably 10 years we're going to see even bigger changes because it'll be more of a normal thing it'll be more of a normalcy I suppose for people to know more about neurodivergence you know um as with anything you know you you always have the I suppose sometimes it can be the older generation the oldest generation have completely different views to what me and you might have mm. because normal has meant different things or life has meant different things and what's expected and what's allowed I suppose and then that's why there's an, an added extra challenge obviously for yourself and for anyone else that's got other challenges you know to to kind of go through as well but hopefully as we as we learn more um, then that will start to well, I think it'll start to increase our knowledge on and the support systems and things that are in place. Hopefully, that's the only way it can go in my mind. Um, if it doesn't, it's a very worrying world. I think definitely, you know, yeah. And I think more. it's it's important to kind of have a scary. It is it's important to stand out there and and, yeah. and be okay with being different. And I suppose that's where I'm at now. Is that um, I am starting to speak up more, you know, at work or in my life and say well no actually that isn't okay or actually yeah. you know could you you know could you present that in a different way because actually if you do present in a different way, I could be a lot more helpful to you um I think when I was undiagnosed I opened myself up to so much vulnerability in friendships and relationships and yeah. um it, it wasn't a great place. Whereas now I have that knowledge, I can put those boundaries in. I can, I can have healthy relationships. Whereas I think maybe yeah. when I was undiagnosed, I met, I, well, I know I did have a lot of toxic relationships um, that left me up to a lot of gaslighting, you know? Yeah. And I think having that diagnosis made me think more, no, actually I'm not going to part with this, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah that for me was the biggest thing I think um but yeah it's been it, I've come a long way just you know, in been able a, to create a few those. years but some, some yeah. days it doesn't feel like that <laughs> yeah you no know, exactly and you know each each day is different isn't it um and mm -hmm. you know one thing so I did a course of CBT um earlier this year and and one of the things that came kind of came to the forefront from that was I communicate I I get the best out of myself and you will get the best out of me if we communicate like this. So, and it, and it can be something as simple as if you're forging a new relationship with someone at work, 
or even if you're feeling the communication is not there, being able to being able to put that across, whether it's standing there or whether it's on an email, or whatever, and say, I really, really, you know, I prioritize clarity and frequent communication, and that's how you're going to get the best out of me. So, and so sometimes just doing that will just give that person enough knowledge to then go, okay, well, you know, it's got to Friday and I've still not got an update. I've gone going all corporate, but it's, you know, it's got to Friday. I've not got an update. Oh, they won't mind if I let them know Monday. Whereas that person that said, I appreciate and, you know, I work best, then that person could spend the weekend worrying. I've done that before. And I'm sure, you know, you might have done that before and people have done that before. But having that knowledge then means that, well, actually, I'll reply today because I know the answer today. It'll take me two seconds. And actually, that's, you know, how I best communicate with that person. And it's not easy to be able to stand there and say, this is what is going to, you know, to get the best out of me, this is what needs to happen. Um, but it's, you know, it's all part of getting to know yourself, isn't it? And like you say, it's, it's just knowing how you work and it's oh, forgetting, yeah, and it's almost moving away from it being different. It's yeah, just how you work. Just, yeah. And part of the access to work this time when I did get my ADHD diagnosis, um, was about um educating my whole team as well about adhd mm. so i actually was on the training as well it was it was very random during lockdown and um my a lot of my team were a massive team now um but select few of the people came on it who worked with me about some awareness and they gave some strategies and that was part of the access to work support was having that but that was quite daunting for me because um yeah it kind of I had to open myself up there really to mm. to be able to put those changes in but since that training the amount of people that I've said oh I you know I've got a relatives with ADHD is there anything mm. that you I think I might be neurodiverse is there anything you suggest mm. or um actually I wasn't you know that that way of working wasn't working for me either so um let's put a let, let's do something different so it, it's opened up some really big great conversations and considering i work at a place that's personalized learning and is you know and we and we do all of the courses and the things that we do i think you know still there was work there to be done to kind of yeah. see how because that's the biggest thing you know it's really different you can't put people in boxes with anything you know working from mainly learning disability kind of realm that i do um you can't you know people are so different you know you can't you know you can't treat that person just because that works for one person mean doesn't mean to say it's going to work for the other person um they're you know and i think being in the place that i work now um we put the person first obviously we look at their their challenges and their difficulties and um, we're trained yeah. in that but you know we'll open an ehcp uh sorry no it's called ehc now um <laughs> And we'll be looking, we will go, yeah, okay, we need those key things to keep that person safe and might help with their learning. Yeah. But actually, let's get to know the person first mm -hmm. because that's so important. And for some of these people, the young people that I work with, they've not really had that. Like, because they've, you know, obviously it's great that they've got the support that they've got, but they've not really had someone sit down and go, right, okay, hi, you know, instead of it being mm -hmm. all about the support um, and you know we structure that support to be personalized and we get to know those people and those characters 
Um, and I think we do such an amazing job in what we do. Um, I'm so proud to work with who I do. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you have to – but it is a hard conversation to have. And obviously we're skilled at kind of observing and bringing those things out in somebody. But if you're actually working at a place, it's, it is difficult to kind of – because no one's observing you to try and ask you those questions to what's going to work yeah. best. So yeah. it is difficult, even though I work in somewhere so specialized, it's still hard to have those conversations um, because like, they need me to talk to say it. And that's for me sometimes feels like I'm opening myself up to, well, I am to, to, to good and bad, but, um, but to progress um, you kind of need to do that. Don't you? Um, it's and, the and, power of vulnerability, isn't it? And I think, I think it's made me such a better teacher and mentor and coach, a hundred percent. Like um, we work with people with a range of needs, and you know my understanding of anxiety, of autism, of um, of all sorts of different things um, has increased so much. Um, by kind of like putting myself out there because how can I say a bit like you and your and the coaching you do you can't say mm. oh do this or she suggests stuff or oh well yeah if you've not been there yourself or experienced those things yourself yeah. and yeah, I think for a, for a long while I felt like I couldn't say about any of my um learning um you know, my learning difficulties because people would think I couldn't do my job. And that's right. how I felt. Yeah. Um, but actually it's the opposite of that. And I think access to work, um, you know, having a coach, um, having an, you know, an employer who are just been incredible, um, has really helped me to kind of start to empower and, and, and say yeah. actually with pride, yes, I do have these challenges but they make me who I am as well as my personality that makes me yeah. who I am. And that's okay. And actually what my strengths, you know, because, you know, sometimes I would be like, well, I should be able to do this. You know I mean? It's probably a word you hate. I should do this, but I can't oh, help yeah, it. That's I what I say. Myself all the time, yeah. Though. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I should be able to do this. And my boss will go, well, actually, you know, well, my boss is both of them. Well, actually, should you, or could somebody else do that part? And then you do this part that you're really good at. And mm -hmm. I think before I'd actually gone, well, actually, guys, you know, there, there, is, a, there is some challenges here for access to work. Um, and Because access to work opened up that conversation with them. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have thought of it like that. I'd have just been struggling at the first part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yep. you know, and the thing is, neurodiversity, you know, there's so many companies now that actually are promoting employing people with neurodiversity because of their strengths and because of the things mm -hmm. that they can do. Um, you know, I've heard about a lot of places. I think it was, I always get this wrong as well. Again, um, MI5, is that right? Yeah. Spy place. MI5. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> they, at one point I was hearing, I think it was from one of my coaches from access to work was saying that they were actually putting an advert out to actually um, encourage and employ people with neurodiversity to, to because of the way that they think and because you know because a team needs to be made up of all different types of people doesn't it and yeah. to be an effective team you know you know if there's one in five of us out there then we're all <laughs> you know um 
and I think playing to them strengths is really important and I suppose being a job coach has taught me that as well is having that kind of right it's being in the right job as well and 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 marrying up those skills right to to to, to do your strengths for like anybody really but I think yeah. having a little bit extra help sometimes is is what's needed to put you on and, that good path yeah and focusing in on your strengths if if we just spent more time focusing on our strengths and not what we're missing or missing mm. should i say because you're not missing it essentially then you still form a part of a team you actually like you said mi5 are looking you might have an even more extreme version of a skill it might be hyper focused so it might be super quick thinking or it could just be something that's needed that you know there'll be roles out there and that is the skill isn't it but i think you know, from what we've said about the kind of the education system, the way it's been is the rest of it's more important. The bits that you are missing, the bits that is different to everyone else are the bits that are important to fix. And actually that's not the case, is it? As we know. No, not at all. Um, no. Especially with would... the people that I work with, you know, there's people yeah. out there, you know, who have just amazing abilities that I've not seen like just out of this yeah. world Absolutely. and channeled in the right direction they can be just you know just absolutely amazing and and so and the thing is there's so much so loyal as well you know um and you know there's some qualities that you just can't take away that people yeah. just miss if they just see see this label on you um yeah. but i suppose it's it's hard because a double-edged sword because you have to be confident enough to to own that as well as being yes. yourself and the personality i would wonder um as we kind of Come to an end. I've got two questions for you. Okay. <laughs> now I said I wasn't going to prepare any questions. I always prepare a couple of questions, really. But I like to put you on the spot, which is going to be particularly testing, depending on what, what what you've just said there. However, first question being, if you could summarise in one or two, maybe three, I'll let you have a third sentence as well. <laughs> um, a message as to maybe somebody that. So there's there's maybe two angles that you can choose from here. So it's either somebody that is exploring themselves and trying to understand themselves and how they work differently. Or maybe it's advice to people who work with somebody who has these, you know, that faces these challenges. Maybe there's, maybe there's something, a bit of advice or just a bit of a message from your experience you can give out. I think it's important to see, you know, to see the person first. Yes. Um, Love that. And, you know, also I think it's not just enough to survive you know it, everybody should and has the right to thrive in this life and that's so important and I think I've learned from my coaching times that it might not be straight away when you work with somebody or yourself when you're going through that yeah. oh. <laughs> but um but it'll come it'll come when when it's needed to um and I think that's really important oh dear there we go is that all right? It's my mic is playing up for some reason. Yes, <laughs> I'm just trying not to deafen you. I'm trying to move away from the. Uh, um, no, thank you for that. Now the second question um, is: if you could have any superpower, what would it be, and what would you use it for? I think I'd like to be able to be like a healer that's what I'd like to be able Ooh. to, you know, um, be able to, um, 
you know people that are struggling because there's so many people out there even when you just don't know be able to just be able to to help them and heal them and and just give them that yeah I, I, I like the idea of being able to heal people especially with everything you know all the different things I think it'd be lovely to be able to to heal people um yeah, that's that's, that's a really nice one. I've had a few different answers for that, and that's that's a really cool one. Strangely enough, a few of the answers have been, um, I'd like to know what people are thinking. Um, yeah, I, think I don't know really if I... Complicated I one. I think because I think so many things, <laughs> I don't know if I would want to hear anybody else's. People <laughs> <laughs> like um, having a brain like a London tube station. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think healing people because, yeah, there's so much out there that, you know, you just it's just unjust, isn't it? And and things that happen to people, it'd be just lovely that if you could just be a healer and because people are going through so many struggles. Um, but, you know, yeah. But yeah, I, I think the other thing I thought, I think I'd like to be invisible as well, but <laughs> that's quite I mean, hard when you're six foot. You can't have two powers. <laughs> I'd be an invisible healer. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you'd be sick. You'd just, you'd go around the world undetected. Yeah, yeah. I think it's something about being tall, isn't it? You just, <laughs> you'd like to be. Little... Just like to be, yeah, just less noticeable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I understand that one. I understand that one. Um, Kirstie, it's been, it's been amazing to spend some time with you this, this evening. Thank you. Um, does anyone... First of all, is it okay if anyone does want to get in touch with answer any questions? And two, if the answer is yes, no pressure either way, what is the best way to do so? Um, yeah, um, any questions or anything, I am on Facebook. I'm not sure if um, I'm discoverable actually on Facebook at the moment. Um, I've nothing sort of set up at the moment, but um, I'm sure for you, um, people can yeah, be, yeah, I mean, if they yeah, contact you, they can be, yeah. can be added. Um, um, and yeah, and just to know that there's so many good organizations out there. So, you know, go and, you know, join the Ad Advantage Facebook. She is amazing, Pippa. Yeah. Um, uh, there's so many um, forums uh, for ADHD, um, really good women's forums and yeah. and men's forums. Um, there's uh, ADHD Wise, ADHD Foundation, Connections in Mind. Oh, there's so many. Uh, once you start looking, there's so many places for support. So uh, go go out there and get them. Um, but yeah, um, if anybody wants to speak to me further, um, contact you and I'd be more than happy to, to speak to them. Perfect. And if anyone wants to find out about the plethora of plates that I spin in an effort to try and change the world in, in many different ways, you can go to the one that's on this screen. So if you're not watching video and you're listening on podcast, it's www.imdoingitfor.me. So thank you very much for listening.